Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. So check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Race tackle, watch out! Burst of speed! Look at this freshman! Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting, the top incoming freshmen and things like that, to end season and uh, college and NFL breakdowns, to NFL draft coverage, all the way to discussions as to who should make it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's all about the journey of these prospects from high school to college through the pros and all the way to the Hall of Fame and what makes these players in our favorite game great. We always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Road of His Radio podcast, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis too. And if you've been following along, we've been talking about college football playoffs, NFL playoffs, top rookies and future NFL draft stars to know. And we just had our rookie running back special and our wide receiver special. And now it's time to talk about what could be the best quarterback class in the last 30 years. And that's not really hyperbole. It very well could be the case. And we'll dive into just how that might be. And to help me dive into this and all these guys that we should be getting excited about uh, that are going to throw the ball to all our favorite wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, uh, I'm joined by my special guest and friend Shane Hallam at Shane P. Hallam on Twitter. He is the co host of the Devi Marketplace podcast and a draft analyst at Steel City Insider and Fake pigskin. Thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, look, I'm I'm happy to be here, Travis. Always happy to uh, talk to you, and uh, you know, I, I I enjoy listening to the show. So getting to come on and uh, just chat about the prospects that we love and and all this work that we've put in over the years. I mean, oh, yeah. that's that's what it's here for. Uh, absolutely, and I think I've had you on. I think I had you and uh, my buddy Braden Gall here. A lot of the Nashville folk uh, are familiar with him. He's been on ESPN Radio now. Now with uh, you know his own venture for Forty Sports here locally. Uh, I think you and him split the show in half last time you guys were uh, together here, and I think we may have even talked about some of the quarterbacks the last time you were here. I, I just love talking quarterbacks with you, uh, with, with Kane, uh, a whole bunch of my other Devi fantasy football buddies because. You guys spend a lot of time breaking these players down, a lot of film and analysis. You, and what I love is you guys don't always agree with me. And I think it's it's great to have conversations with fantasy players, people that love this game that disagree with each other. I think, it's you know, all the time, whether it's on Twitter or just on Facebook or wherever else, people just 
can't disagree very well, uh, you know, but I, I love it. And, and I think so me and you and all of our other goofy league mates that love college football and, and Debbie and a whole bunch of other nerdy stuff to just kind of grow closer together after after we get through disagreeing with something. Uh, but but really just want to dive in. I don't think we disagree uh, when it comes to some of these elite quarterbacks, though, at the very top, uh, because this quarterback class, like I said, could be one of the best quarterback classes ever to come out at the same time could be the you know the the next best could be the best quarterback class of all time depending on how things shake out analytically speaking there's plenty of evidence to suggest this might be the best group of passers collectively to come out at the same time maybe ever uh and so i don't i know that you and i have kind of disagreed upon how many quarterbacks should be going in the first round how many will be going in the first round how many could even possibly go in the first round but I, i'm here to ask you for the update of how many quarterbacks you believe today will be going in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. We we had our, our Twitter disagreement. Now nah, I'm with you. I think it's fun to why do this if you're not going to just disagree and have fun and, and, and talk and debate. Right. I mean, that that's what yeah. it's all about. Uh, so, you know, we were talking at, at that point, it was like, as, you know, six quarterbacks, uh, maybe <laughs> five quarterbacks. Uh, I really thought I was really honing in on four uh, but it looks it looks fairly settled on five. It looks like these top five are going to go in the first round. Uh, maybe there's I, I, I'm almost to the point where I think I think the chances are like super slim for six. I think it's very doubtful. I'm sure we'll we always get reports of like this yeah. random quarterback. He's he's getting first round. But Jake Fromm's getting first round buzz last year, right? <laughs> like it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think uh, on the other side, I think there's a slim chance, uh, maybe a little more than the six, there's, there's a slim chance of just four. But I think looking at the teams that are aggressively going after quarterbacks right now, um, it seems like you know more more needed than I, I, I expected would actually try to go after and uh, pick up a new signal call. Yeah, I think five sounds about like the the sweet spot right now, especially because, you know, everyone for forever has known it would be Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence started gaining steam. Uh, not Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance started gaining steam. Zach Wilson came on late, and now everybody's in love with him. And even here recently, in the last two weeks or so, everyone is just clamoring for, oh yeah, Mac Jones is also in that conversation. And really, had it not been for Kyle Trask's poor end to his 2020 campaign, we might be really looking at six guys going in the first round. But uh, Kyle Trask looks like, I guess he's probably your pick to be the first man out of the first round. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of a long shot to make it into the first round at this point. Um, and I, you know, I, I would say there's a more likelihood of him going third day than first day. I think wow. there's more of a likelihood of him going in the fourth round than the first round at this point. Now, I'm not saying that he will. I think second day is probably appropriate, but it, it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be floored if the you know, he gets passed over and he's not even the sixth quarterback off the board just for, you know, different limitations and what different teams are looking for. So okay. uh, when we get the draft day, uh, you know, don't be like overly surprised if he falls further than than I have him or anyone really thinks. For sure. Well, we'll start at the top and we'll get to Kyle Trask and throw in a few a few more names to to think about for this year and uh, take a quick a quick look ahead as well. But from the top here, for a very long time, I was just on a, a couple of different podcasts this week talking about how long we've known that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the guy. Like, I what was it, when he was 16, 15? I don't know. I, I feel like it was. it's probably been five years now, at least, that we've known Trevor Lawrence was God's gift to the quarterback position, and he was going to be 
this quarterback one in this class, at least the quarterback two. I mean, Justin Fields was right there with him five years ago. Uh, we were already, it's like we knew. It's like, hey, one, two, it's these two guys. Uh, it's, it's crazy to watch him just develop and you know, not only just hit those expectations that we thought were super high for Trevor Lawrence, but to keep exceeding them. And, and you know, it started from, you know, breaking out as a, a true freshman there and then somehow getting better every single year. So what to you makes Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback one so clearly? And the second part of the question, uh, who do you even compare him to? Both good questions, because I think we should really look at Trevor Lawrence as a prospect and um, try to really recognize what he is like the ideal. He, yeah. he is the ideal quarterback. And so I think if you take him as a prospect and say, this is the template I want to compare other quarterbacks to, they can help you really evaluate. He has terrific arm talent. He's, he's not to pull out uh, one of the biggest busts in NFL history. He's not, not Jamarcus Russell arm <laughs> talent, but that's the only thing Jamarcus <laughs> Russell had, yeah. you know, but, but Trevor Lawrence has uh, has you know has a live arm. His, his zip is really good. Um, he he gets the ball to his target very quickly, and that's really what you look for. Uh, I think just the way the number one thing for me with him is the way that he manipulates defenses with his eyes and his brain, uh, and I think that's on a whole other level. In, you know, in an offense in Clemson where he probably didn't need to do that all the time, but the the amount sheer amount of plays where you see him go from his first read to a second read, to his third, and then right back to a second and throw the football. Uh, you know, he looks that safety off. He moves that safety to get the ball where he wants it with room for that receiver to run, uh, room for that receiver to get open. You know, I, I think that's the one thing that really separates him. Then you add he has some athletic ability. He can run. We've seen him do it in the college football playoff. Uh, you know, you, you just keep adding these things. I, I wrote an article for fakepigskin.com of why uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect I've ever scouted. I've been doing this since 2004. And to me, you know, Andrew Luck was that golden standard. But Trevor Lawrence has a better arm. He just simply has a better arm than Andrew Luck did coming out. You know, when you try to say, like, how can we compare him to someone, then it gets really tough. Like, who is that player? Like, I haven't scouted that player. You know, um, so if when I look historically or, or read, it's John Elway. Uh, John Elway feels like that player mm. that had everything coming out and yeah. people were, you know, kind of Google for him. And it seems like I mean, that's Trevor Lawrence. Day, day one, high, you know, 16 years old, he, he was the best in the country and he still is. And, and I think it's really hard to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not sure he has uh, as much junk in the trunk as, as uh, John Elway did. <laughs> but, you know, I look at Trevor Lawrence and I think he, he even weighed in a little bit uh, more slender than many thought he would at his pro day. You know, I think he'll, he'll probably add some weight uh, as many quarterbacks do once they get to the next level. But I, everything about that comp besides maybe just the, the exact build, I, I, I love. I think that's that's spot on. I think he has all the not only just the physical tools and the and the right height and, the, and you know the ideal arm strength and just most everything about him like in what the NFL is looking for in a modern quarterback they want a guy with the rocket arm they want a guy with the intelligence they want a guy who can manipulate defenses post snap pre snap and get the ball out quick uh, but you know has the size has mobility and I think that's the most underrated aspect of his game is that mobility not just within the pocket, but outside and, be, and being able to add on to the end of the play. So, I mean, for me, it's like, man, like, uh, I don't know when, when it was, whenever it was that Andrew Luck came out, but everyone was like, this is, this guy's like a generational talent. Like Trevor Lawrence is that 
And then just from an analytical perspective, he has everything Andrew Luck had and then more. Uh, like when you look at uh, any quarterback that's come out in the last 10, 10 plus years, for him to show up and have like 90th percentile numbers in terms of yards per attempt and uh, adjusted yards per attempt. And even if you try to manipulate things and adjust for certain things like play action percentage or, or other metrics to just kind of take a closer look at his analytical passing profile and any way you slice it even back to his freshman year he was already uh, among like all NFL quarterbacks drafted like a 90th percentile prospect at age 18 and he only got better like I mean he was he moved up to like 92nd 93rd percentile last year uh, in terms of adjusted yards per pass attempt and uh, among other different things and just kept on improving, uh, finding new ways to hit his receivers deep downfield. And this year, when he was losing the guys that were supposed to be the guys to, to kind of step up, like Joe, Joe and Degata, you know, he missed most of the year with uh, injury. He had, a, I think he had a minor surgery and, you know, he had to deal with, and I say deal with, uh, I guess, um, less elite talent. You know, at the top, he lost Justin Ross to that freak, you know, spinal issue that he was having. And I guess we'll get him back next year. But, he, you know, he was without T. Higgins. He went to the NFL, lost Justin Ross. Joe Nagata was supposed to step up. And so he had to go to Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, who had done literally nothing <laughs> at all, you know, until this past yeah. year, this fifth year super senior. And then on a whole bunch of other super inexperienced wide receivers, Travis Etienne had to be the wide receiver too, essentially, for the team. So he was doing it with maybe the weakest rounding cast that he had had in his entire collegiate career and still found ways to impress and get them back to the college football playoff and just impress every single game. So I think it's hard to compare him to anyone, but I like that comparison for sure. And I... And now that we know, I guess, one more question for you here on Trevor Lawrence before we move on to, to Fields. Now that we know, you know, he's probably going to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Like, do you do you think he has the weapons uh, in, in the system to jump in year one and be a quarterback one for fantasy right away? I, th- I think he does. Um, I think that's always a tough kind of sell. But more recently, I think we've seen quarterbacks be able to make that jump from a fantasy perspective, you know, Justin Herbert this past year, Joe, Her- Joe Burrow was on track um, before the injury to, to be in that low end QB one conversation. Like, I think Lawrence can do it. I think LaVisca Chenault is a unique weapon that perfectly fits that, that urban Meyer offense. Um, I think TJ Chark can take the top off of defense. They, they had to have to add someone, you know, maybe help the offensive line a little bit, but you know, James Robinson caught a ton of passes last season. So I, I think there's enough there that Trevor Lawrence can make it happen. And the one thing I do like about the system is he's going to get to use his legs a little bit. I don't think we're going to, he's not going to be Cam Newton. He's not going to be, you know, Lamar Jackson, but I think we see a lot of times where that, you know, use him on a rollout, have to make that option where you can run for a touchdown fantasy wise. I mean, that's, that's golden. If you can get a little bit of that sprinkled in, uh, then that becomes QB one numbers. So um, I think I have him right now as by kind of QB 10, QB 11 uh, for just redraft for this year. Uh, so I think he can hit that and maybe even exceed it. Nice. I, I, that's that's a, almost exactly where I have him as well. Uh, but I, I, I think if he gets the touchdowns, that'll kind of push him over the top. And touchdowns are kind of fluky. They're kind of 
uh, you know, hit or miss. And it's hard to predict. Uh, I mean, that expected outcomes that when you're trying to build a model, that can be the one thing that can ruin it. Uh, for me, I think he has incredible touchdown upside if they can, you know, maybe add one more weapon. I think that would be great. Uh, I think I've talked about on Twitter and to a few other people, if they, you know, added like a Rondale Moore or somebody just incredibly fast that could add, add just another layer to the game, I think that'd be really great for him. Uh, you know, I think he already has some decent weapons there, but if he had one more, uh, I think that would do the trick to kind of get him over the top and submit him as a uh, quarterback one in his first year. But Justin Fields is my quarterback two, and I believe he's your quarterback two. Uh, but for some reason, people have been really picking him apart, uh, or just trying to look sexy and rank somebody else over over him just lately with Zach Wilson or even Trey Lance. I've seen a few mocks here and there where Trey Lance is going ahead of Justin Fields why in the world is that the case because I I, I I don't know what there isn't to like really when it comes to Justin Fields I, I don't get it but like with you um, why is he obviously your quarterback too I know my argument but why is he obviously your quarterback too I, I think it's another case kind of like Trevor Lawrence of like being wire to wire uh, such a good quarterback and quarterback prospect. I think it's huge. Uh, I mean, the fact that he uh, came out was neck and neck out of high school with Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think the Georgia mistake, I, I think a lot of people knock him for that. I think, yeah. well, you know, that's always the, well, he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm. Well, Georgia was a stupid. <laughs> I mean, let, you know, so let's be real. If yeah. Justin Fields was playing, they, they would have gotten more wins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, why, why is that, that his fault? And it's not like he transferred down to uh, North Texas or something. You know, yeah. he transferred to Ohio State. He's playing against top teams and top competition. And, you know, I think has been pretty, pretty darn dominant. I, you know, I think people get scared when they, they see that Northwestern game or they see you make some bad decisions. And it's like, look, that's, that's stuff that's fixable. That's cleanable. That's easy. Uh, you cannot teach what Justin Fields does, you know, what, what his, his arm strength is, how, you know, how tough he is in the pocket. I mean, I think his pocket awareness is just off the charts. And to me that like, that's the difference between him and the other quarterbacks in this class is how he can step up in the pocket, how he can move around in the pocket. He can buy time. Uh, and, you know, he still has good accuracy in the mid, mid to deep range and outside the hash marks when he does that. I, I think that's a really unique, piece to his game that not a lot of people give him credit for uh you know to me he's kind of a bigger russell wilson you know he has that type of ability to to place the ball well move around and make something happen on his own and i think you combine that with really you know with really good physical tools um there's a lot to like and you know the other thing i think we shouldn't knock is i think there is still some room for him to grow as a player you know mentally and like that's not a not necessarily a bad thing, uh, you know. You don't want someone's maxed out. If he can get better, and he's already doing what he's doing, I mean, the, the sky's the limit. I mean, he could be a real, he could be a top five NFL quarterback. And like to me, uh, that that's someone you take number two overall, even if that might not happen. Yeah, and honestly, at this, I think it's just a bunch of posturing for the most part. I think people are slipping some bad info around. They're like, "Man, I hope somebody else just overthinks it and doesn't take Justin Fields." You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I feel like it just it has to be empty. And just when I when I look at his overall resume and realize the dude's only played what I guess twenty two full starts uh, in college, so he, we could just be seeing the tip of the iceberg with his talent. And and people, you know, they want to look at the Northwestern game and go, "Oh, it's Northwestern. How are you?" 
going to struggle against Northwestern. Ohio State was like playing like short, limited practice that week, missing literally 25 players from their roster and and facing off with a top 10 defense in college football. Like people don't understand that Northwestern actually has a handful of future NFL defenders on that team and we're one of the best in the country. So if you're going to struggle any week, you know, have it be a week where you're missing 25 players, you had less practice than normal and you have to face off against the top 10 defense. So people that want to, you know, pick him apart for for that game and and honestly like Based on some conversations I've had, like that, that was the first time anybody watched him for 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 some of the guys that just kind of catch up that don't watch college football, and, and it's like, and they're like, oh yeah, he's bad. He's got terrible decision making, dude. Before that game, he'd basically made like two bad decisions in his entire college football career. <laughs> like you know, it's just yeah. Like he was, you know, his his first freaking season threw forty one touchdowns to three picks. Like and two of them were against Clemson, who you know, you know, they're a national championship contender every single year. Like, it's just unbelievable that the criticism that was just baseless coming after Justin Fields, and then he, man, I was just so glad he shut some people up in the first round of the college football playoff this year. Just showed out and dominated because that's all I believe he'll do at the next level. Uh, and just analytically speaking, I mean, not just from a film standpoint, because he has the arm strength and. Uh, you know, he has a lot of things going for him. Maybe he might hold the ball too long or whatever. People want to nitpick there. Or he might pull down and just become a runner rather than looking to make a play through the air sometimes. But analytically speaking, you know, I mean, if you you look at a guy who is, you know, he's not just completing, like you mentioned, just the underneath stuff. He had, according to my charting, the fifth deepest average depth of target among any quarterback in the country, only behind like Lane Hatcher for Arkansas State, which that's just a weird scheme thing. <laughs> and then uh, if you if you're familiar with Arkansas State and their their ridiculous offense, they're they're kind of weird. But anyway, Grayson Call for Coastal Carolina. JT Daniels, smaller sample guy this year, and then Zach Wilson, which we'll get here to shortly. So he's he's chucking it downfield, uh, hitting hitting guys with precision, accuracy, uh, and really one of my favorite metrics. I'm going to be writing on here very, very soon. Uh, Kane hates it, but uh, sorry, Kane, if you're listening. But it's uh, it, basically I, I I tried to adjust for play action play action percentage, uh, and this is uh, pretty nerdy, so bear with me, but. Essentially, like we've, there have been studies that show play action percentage and usage in offenses in both the pros and college adds expected points per pass attempt just overall. So it's been shown that if you, you know, work that into a, a, a high percentage of your plays, that can overinflate your quarterback's efficiency numbers. And so I wanted to just kind of understand, well, how much does it actually inflate things? And looking at the sample from this past season, running some basic linear regression. Play action percentage in terms of like a player's percentage of their pass attempts that incorporate play action into the play account for like 15% of the variance in adjusted yards per pass attempt. That's a lot. Like 15% of the variance in overall efficiency as a passer can be accounted for just by looking at play action percentage. Now, when you add in some more data, like back to 2016, it's more like 10 or 11%. I think this COVID season and some other things contributed to to those numbers being spiked up a little bit this year. But overall, there's an impact there. And when you adjust, though, for play action percentage and, and how that mixes in with a variance of what Justin Fields should do uh, in terms of efficiency numbers and look at this year and last year, both seasons, he tested out as a 98th percentile efficient passer, <laughs> like of all 
quarterbacks in college football. Like there's there's a single digit list of anybody who's had a season in the past five, six, seven years uh, with better numbers. And, and guys that have that kind of success and that kind of efficiency succeed at the next level. So analytically, by the film, by the measurables, Justin Fields has literally every single thing that you want. If you have somebody else ranked over him at, in the quarterback two slot, I really just can't help you. But I think that's enough of that. Let's, let's move on to uh, my quarterback three. I think we disagree at this point, though. I I believe in Trey Lance, despite the, the lack of competition, I believe he can be a successful quarterback. And I, I believe he could be the third quarterback, maybe fourth quarterback off the board this year. Um, and I love his mobility, his you know pretty much perfect season, 28 touchdowns to zero interceptions uh, You know, in 2019. You know, played one game and it was not very good against Central Central Arkansas this past year. But uh, I still believe Trey Lance is the quarterback three. What do you like first about Trey Lance, uh, and then and then maybe what what do you like about Zach Wilson that that Trey Lance doesn't have? I think Trey Lance's ceiling is off the charts. Like I, I think that's really where uh, he's he's sold. I mean, th- this kind of big player with the athletic ability that he has is super rare and it i mean you you watch you watch him against that level of competition uh, and you see no one can tackle him you know he's just so strong and looks like an nfl player uh you know playing against lower tier college players and that's what he looks like so you know i i think that possible that possibility that upside there with his athletic ability is really good and then you toss in Duke can throw a rope like his, you know, his, his passes get there so quickly. And when he throws down the field, I, I really love his, his release and, and how he can arc the football. Like, I, I think there is some just really, really strong things about Trey Lance kind of when you just watch uh, film wise of him and see the traits that he has. But I think there's some hesitation to me of not, not that he can be a really good NFL player because I think he can't he can be, but I think it's about how a coaching staff and team uses uh, him to progress. Right? Mm-hmm. We saw at North Dakota State. I mean, there are times when they faced the better competition. It was let's run Trey Lance. I mean, he completed six passes in the national yeah. championship against James Madison and <laughs> dominated on the. I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah. They couldn't tackle. just run. No one's <laughs> as fast as you. Just go do your thing. <laughs> And if I was the head coach, I'd do the same thing. I want to win a national championship, right? I mean, I'm not, you know, that's not a bad decision. But for his NFL prospects, like, I want to see him complete 20 passes. You know, I want to see him throw the ball a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's the fear. And then really just having the one year and the one bad game. I mean, I, you know, I wrote an article about that Central Arkansas game, and it, it wasn't pretty. You know, even the, the passes he completed weren't great. And that could be understandable. It could be rust. It could be a lot of things. So, you know, I don't take it too much into account. But we haven't seen quarterbacks with one year of experience do great recently no. in the NFL. Right. Uh, it doesn't go well. And a lot of those those players played at a very high level for one year, you know, played at the, the Power Five. And, you know, the fact that Trey Lance didn't, I think, is a fear that I have for him if he doesn't sit in the NFL and, and maybe get some experience first. Yeah, I mean, even like when you look at other North Dakota North Dakota State passers, like, well, Easton Stick didn't get the capital, but Carson Wentz did. And I felt like he played 47 full seasons for, for you know, North Dakota State before he finally went pro. And uh, so he was way more experienced. And Trey Lance, yeah, I mean, people are going to knock Justin Fields for his lack of experience, but Trey Lance has has less games played 
as a starter than, than he does, and it's at a super low level of competition. So I understand the knocks on him, and at least maybe some uh, you know apprehension and some some initial doubt because we just haven't seen him play against top competition. I mean, you can look at the guy and go, okay, so he's 6'4", super thick, super fast, and he's got the arm strength. He can do a, a lot of checks at the line and make decisions really quick, really well. Um, I think he could fit and, and work at the next level, and that's why I think a lot of people see that crazy athleticism and upside and oh man you know perfect season mix in like 1100 rushing yards whatever he looks like a, a fantasy cheat code and so I think that's why for me I'm caught up in that hype too uh, and just still have him as my quarterback three over a guy that in Zach Wilson that, that I also have competition questions on but before we dive into Zach Wilson and we will talk, talk about him Mac Jones Kyle Trask and a few other names just a word from our sponsors What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. All right, and we're back. And so we've already talked about the top three, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Trevor Lawrence, obviously out of Clemson, Justin Fields of Ohio State. Trey Lance of North Dakota State uh, and only played Central Arkansas State this past year. You know, he had that perfect season. He had the, the, the rushing yards and everything. But why do you think a lot of people have Zach Wilson, including yourself, over Trey Lance? I, I, I do, and I think it's close um, for me. But I think that Zach Wilson looks more polished uh, from an NFL perspective to step in day one and I think be a quarterback to lead a team. Like I, I like Trey Lance if he can sit for a year and learn. I think Zach Wilson has a lot of traits that put him as step in. He can be the guy and he can do it. I mean, this is a guy with almost three full years of college experience. Yes, it was at BYU. You know, that, that might be an issue. But uh, he, he's, he's been there. I think he's a player with, with a lot of toughness and experience who's improved. You know, he's another one of the – like we talked about Justin Fields getting better, Trevor Lawrence getting better. I think Zach Wilson's that player I've seen get better year to year and this year being the best that he's played. And, and then when you look at those same traits – I think you see a lot of things that um, if, if he can do it at the next level, it's just going to be extremely hard to stop. I, I mean, some, some of the drops in the bucket down the field this year were uh, extremely impressive. And uh, yeah, I think he had some offensive talent around him, probably more than a lot of people want to give BYU credit for. But th- there was a lot of tight coverage that he was able to, to place that ball extremely well. You know, he's an accurate passer. Uh, and I think his arm strength isn't out of this world. It's not what Trey Lance has. Um, but in terms of downfield passing, I do think he's really good at that. Um, you add in a little bit of athletic ability. He is someone he's not going to be a runner like, like Lance, but he is someone that can move around, that can run for a first down. 
And I really like what he does outside the hash marks. That's where it really separates him from Trey Lance as a passer for me, is I think he can hit those sideline throws, those out routes, uh, the, those those outside curls really well. Now, I have concerns. You know, I, you know, Zach Wilson's not my top two quarterback. It looks like there's a really good chance he's going to go two to the Jets, perhaps. And if you know, if, if, if that happens, I, I think it would be a mistake you know, over Justin Fields. But he really didn't play anyone this year. It's not his fault. BYU had a, actually a really good schedule lined up, and then you know COVID happened, and <laughs> it, 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 everything. All fell, <laughs> it all fell apart. You know, and the the hardest game they had was against Coastal Carolina that got kind of scrapped together in a week and tossed up there. It's like, okay, here's where we see Zach Wilson. You know, he's going to come out, he's going to dominate, and he I mean he he put up kind of a dud to me. Yeah, it was um, not a good you know, game. He kind of he almost brought him back with that comeback at the very end, and I was like, okay, I was like I was kind of impressed by that, but. That was like the best defense they played, and it was not great. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, if you look at his other, even before this year, I mean, well, before this year, frankly, he he was not good. He had maybe two other okay games outside of this year, but he wasn't good, like, in 2019. Like, he opened up the season and got just whomped by a pretty good Utah defense, obviously. And that was probably the toughest defense he may have ever played. Uh, and then he kind of failed in a couple other spots, even against San Diego State, who's actually, as far as group of five defenses go, especially in 2019, they were a really good defense, but really screwed up against Hawaii somehow. Uh, you know, tried to fix it on the ground a little bit, but man, he didn't look good at all for most of last year in terms of 2019. And then this year kind of just killed a whole bunch of really awful, embarrassingly bad defenses and a really strange COVID season. And, you know, yeah, I guess people want to point to his Central Florida game uh, this this past December and everything. But it, it was not a normal even – it wasn't a normal Central Florida team either or Central Florida defense. He did not play a single defense that was challenging. It is, his overall schedule was like, you know, not top 50 in all of college football. It wasn't top 60. Like it, it was like it was 80th or so, depending on the metric that you want to use in terms of difficult uh, difficulty level and, and in terms of the teams that they played across the board this year. So, yes, he killed some really bad teams. And, yes, Trey Lance killed some really bad teams. So it's just hard to hard to look at them and, and what they've done in the small sample of elite level of play and say, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to work out at the next level. Uh, but I am coming around a little bit on Zach Wilson. Because, you know, he can only face who they actually schedule him against. And when you look at his analytical profile, and using the same metrics I was playing around with uh, with Justin Fields to talk about efficiency numbers, he's right up there next to Fields uh, in terms of his peak in, in this season. Yes, it was a low level of competition across the board. But man, Zach Wilson was almost a perfect season, like top five uh, efficient season. Uh, overall in the past five seasons uh, for any quarterback, including Trevor Lawrence, including Justin Fields. So he's he had a ridiculous peak against some super easy competition. But I, I, I still have him topped out at my quarterback four spot. I just can't move him above there. And, and I really love Trey Lance's mobility way more than Zach Wilson's. I know Zach Wilson found the end zone some because uh, they actually used him as a, as a goal line back sometimes. But uh yeah, I really, really like the upside uh, for fantasy football purposes, especially for Trey Lance over Zach Wilson. But moving on past these top four, because I feel like those top four are like the consensus, and then there's a huge gap for many. Some people are putting Mac Jones into the, up, up into the top 10 overall picks, which 
That's a little rich for me. I really like Mac Jones, but people are trying to put him up in that conversation. Maybe it's just because of the QB premium nature of the NFL draft and in recent years. But Mac Jones is my quarterback five right now. And I think there's really not that big of a drop off, but there is for most uh, from Zach Wilson to him. So what do you like about Mac Jones? And if he succeeds, what is his NFL career going to look like? Who would you compare him to? I think Mac Jones has a lot of things that NFL teams will like. Uh, I mean, I think just the success on the field of taking, uh, you know, Alabama team, not just this year, but last year filling in for Tua and uh, really having a lot of success. You know, I think NFL teams are going to like that. I, I think he's a really smart player. You know, I think he reads defense as well. I think he does a lot of those little things um, really good. Like he did exactly what Alabama asked him to and placed the ball where it was supposed to go. And that's nice. That's safe. That's a good NFL quarterback. You know, I think he'll be a good NFL quarterback. Like, but if I'm drafting a quarterback in the top half of the first round, I don't want a good NFL quarterback. I want a great NFL quarterback. I want a top 10 NFL quarterback. And I just don't know if that's what he is. I mean, I think one of his worst traits is um, what happens to him under pressure. Cause he really didn't face much. He didn't face no. much pressure. And, and when he did, uh, it, it was a struggle. I mean, he had, I think his pocket awareness is lacking um, be, and there's not a big sample size of that, but even look at that national championship game against Ohio state where he, you know, he, he dominated that game and Devonta Smith really dominated that game. But, you know, uh, Mac Jones did, you know, when, when he got under pressure, he fumbled the football, he turned it over, you know, he, he was uh, the couple plays that happened. It, it was not good. And that was the way to beat him. Unfortunately, Alabama's such a good team of such talent <laughs> everywhere. That, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, over 30% of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage. Like he, he, he wasn't going to ha- ever have to face pressure. And so I, th- I think that's an issue. Like, I think there's more, I think we think of Alabama sometimes as traditional NFL old style offense. And it's not that anymore. You know, he's not throwing NFL passes consistently. Uh, and I think, I think that's the problem. Like I, I think comparison wise, I know this has been thrown there a lot, but I think it's good, right? Like, like upside wise, like Kirk Cousins could definitely be him in the NFL. Like I think Mac Jones can, if he has good receivers, if he has a line, he can make things happen. He can win some games. He can have decent stats, but you're always like, man, I wish we had somebody better. And I think it's just what Mac Jones is going to be. So I, I wouldn't take him. I honestly, I don't have him as a first round pick. Like I, I probably wouldn't take him there. Someone probably will, but I just don't see the upside of a Trey, you know, that Trey Lance and Zach Wilson have to be stars like Mac Jones. If, if he becomes a, a, a true star, it's going to have to be, you know, uh, really something cerebral. And, and I just don't think he has that right now. Yeah, I think it's another guy that really we're dealing with uh, a kind of a smaller sample. Like he did come on strong in 2019 and and uh, you know kept Alabama competitive when you know that we thought man to a down you know what's going to happen to the offense and he did pretty well in some tough games. Um, you know, giving up the only his only loss was Auburn last year, which they had a good team. Uh, but this year, what he put together. Like you said, he maybe he didn't always have to throw a bunch of NFL-worthy wowzer kind of throws, and maybe he didn't have to work through his reads as much because, well, you have Devontae Smith to throw to. But seriously, when you look at the history of the Alabama program, there's been, I think, 10, ten examples of 400-plus yards passing ever in school history, and he had five this season <laughs> like he, he not only had five this season he had three in a row like three of his four three of his first four uh, games this year he was throwing for over 400 yards passing 
And you could argue, I think almost definitively, that he had a lesser cast to work with than Tua Tungavailoa did just a year before. He had Devontae Smith, but he didn't have Jerry Judy. He didn't have Henry Ruggs. And he didn't even have Jalen Waddle for more than, what, four weeks, four and a half weeks <laughs> there. And so he was dealing with just Devontae Smith whatever Jaleel Billingsley became, and John Mechie, who's it's just a clear tier two or three down from the other guys that I've mentioned before. So he was doing it with a weaker cast and putting up crazier numbers and keeping the offense on schedule and making some good throws, some some NFL throws here and there. But I, I did see some of the same thing. Uh, I, his footwork is, is kind of wonky some, and that, that gets him in trouble. And when he does face real pressure, um, it's not going to look pretty. <laughs> so I, I think that's where he's going to have to get better. Like you said, it's going to have to be cerebral. He's going to have to get better at his footwork. He's going to have to get better at, at diagnosing and, and taking care of his second, third reads real quick. Uh, the next level to really be an impact difference maker. But for me, I, I was just on the uh, the Fantasy Pros podcast, and I think I called him, uh, you know, playoff Eli Manning. Like, that's that's the ideal picture of what he, his career could be like. He's not going to wow you and look like the most athletic specimen on the field ever, but he could keep the offense on schedule, and if he's got some decent weapons around him, he, he can succeed. So I think he is going to sneak into the into the first round. I think he could actually potentially go to the, the Saints, uh, and, and be the heir to Drew Brees. I mean, that offense is, has been getting used to a guy with not the best arm anyway uh, in the past few years. So, you know, plugging in Mac Jones uh, wouldn't be uh, too much of a drop-off arm strength-wise, if, if, if at all. Obviously, Drew Brees is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mac Jones, hopefully he can continue to develop and uh, continue to wow statistically for fantasy football purposes. But QB6 and then a couple other names, QB6 here, back to Kyle Trask. He's another guy who might have some arm strength questions. Not the perfect uh, resume of production in college, analytically speaking, in terms of a large sample. But, man, his first six, seven, eight games this past fall, he he was looking like a first-round NFL quarterback. What makes him a guy that could drop to day three before he jumps into day, into day one? I think you hit on it with the arm strength. I mean, I, I think that is going to be a really big concern at the NFL level as compared to the top five. Uh, just is is his zip quick enough for the NFL? I think there's a lot of passes. that, And I like Kyle Trask. I, I really was hoping he would take that step forward. I think he got better, but there were a lot of passes he made um, even against some of these uh, vaunted SEC defenses, which this year maybe weren't quite as good as no, they usually are. They were not. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, you know, that in the NFL would be interceptions, would be broken up that just didn't get there quick enough to really make it at the next level. And so I, I think that's something that, you know, teams are just going to not really have the upside on him. And, uh, you know, I, I think he is a really good quarterback in terms of processing the field and uh, seeing what's happening, seeing what the best throw is. It's something he's got a lot better at uh, from last from 2019 to 2020. But, Man, there's, there's always a level that you can't get up over when your arm just is not NFL caliber. And I think that's the problem. He's kind of this ideal backup. And I feel bad because he didn't really have a running game. You know, I think Florida really put a lot on his shoulders. I know a lot of people want to say, well, Kyle Pitts is what kind of made him. But he played a number of games without Kyle Pitts and had, yeah. you know, his numbers were just fine. Um, but I, I think his upside might just be really capped by his arm and um, it's, I think it's really going to take, I think this is a year where he could have used 
going to facilities, working out for teams, you know, throwing at the combine, um, not being able to play in the senior bowl. I think that really hurt him. I think he would have had a chance to maybe show uh, in a different offense with NFL coaching that he could improve. Uh, you know, I think it's just a really bad year with all that's going on for him. And uh, that could really hurt his draft stock. For sure. I mean, when you look at things like, had you just been like, you know, it gets to December, it's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I've got to, I got to prep for the draft. That would have looked terrible, but he would have not had the absolute fall apart like, like he did. I mean, going in through nine games, he had 38 touchdowns and what, three picks? And then in the last three games, he had five touchdowns and five picks. <laughs> Obviously, he, he was missing some of his best offensive weapons. You know, Kadarius Tonia, you know, declared for the draft. Kyle Pitts, not there. You know, he was, but but you know, like you said, he just got exposed. That arm strength got exposed. And yes, they were putting a ton on him because they didn't have a very good run game. But man, uh, th- how things ended, it's just, it's really hard to look at him and, and go, oh yeah, that's a, that's a first round pick. So he's the quarterback six for me. Maybe he drops into... Uh, you know, the top 60 picks or something like that. But I, I'm not there anymore with projecting him to be a first rounder either. Any other guys that, that you want to talk about in terms of quarterbacks in, in this incoming rookie class? You might kind of squint and go, oh, OK, he might work out. <laughs> Man, there really isn't much like I feel like I always stretch. You always want to find a couple more. And I feel like anything is just like stretching for guys. I, I've been, <laughs> I've been uh, Kellen Mond from Texas a and I mean, I. I've always felt like he's like on the, the precipice of putting together a season to show me he's an NFL quarterback and he just makes like stupid decision after stupid decision on the field and you know has has a game where he just can't can't do anything uh it, it just just really hurts so like he's a player that has that athletic a profile has the build, um, you know, played on a really good team. This should have been the year. And it just, you know, it just really wasn't for him. So, I mean, he's someone I think will get drafted in the third day, but man, I think it's going to be really tough for any other quarterback to have an impact at the NFL level. Same here. I I, I like Kellen Mond and a couple of his throws that he'll he'll make and you go, man, that looks like an NFL quarterback. And then like the very next player, like, Oh, Never mind. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, man. But J- Jamie Newman is, is a guy that uh, I think some people like quite a bit. Uh, Wake Forest had a really strange, uh, kind of like a weird, delayed uh, mesh point uh, read option offense in 2019. He did a great job running that scheme, uh, amping up some pr- production profiles, especially for Sage Sur- Surratt that year at wide receiver. Jamie Newman might be a guy, you know, he transferred to Georgia and then decided to opt out. Uh, he could kind of he could be interesting but again it's really those top six or bust really top five or bust this year uh, davis mills uh stanford kj costello transferred from stanford to mississippi state had a great first opening game for mississippi state this last year and then just didn't look like the same uh, you know guys that might get drafted but i'm not necessarily projecting for fantasy football success but for you who's your favorite quarterback for the future that's not drought eligible this year but will be in the nfl here soon i think next year to me um sam howe from north carolina right is still and you've talked about him on the show before is still hands down um the best quarterback in that class like i know spencer rattler from oklahoma is uh, right up there and had, had a great season, especially end of the season. Yeah. But I think what's, what Sam Howell's just consistently done 
both years starting as a true freshman in the ACC um, and really impressing. And then I, I think this this past season, I, I look at that Texas A&M game. He maybe wasn't the most efficient, uh, but his the Diami Brown wasn't playing and Sam Howell really put that team on his back against um, you know, against a team that should have been in the playoff and like it didn't win, but I thought he played really well. I thought he kept sure. them in it when they were kind of giving up a lot to, to AM's offense that they shouldn't have. So, yeah. you know, even some of these losses this year, I thought, you know, Sam Howell still has it. And, and to me, that's, that's really big. And he, you know, he's, he's probably played consistently against better defenses than even Mac Jones did this year. And I, yeah. I think that's, that's huge. Yep, Sam, Sam Howell is my quarterback one still. Spencer Rattler's right there behind him uh, from Oklahoma. I like his mobility. I love Sam Howell's deep ball. But my dude is DJ Uyunglele for Clemson. He's going to come in and just dominate college football. And Clemson's going to be right back in the college football playoff once again next year. So DJ, or as you guys call him, DJ Ukulele. Uh, but that's that's going to be the, do, the dude uh, next year to watch. But but most important question is to wrap up the show. What what are you listening to music-wise? And what's, what's a favorite band of yours right now that everybody – should check out that they might not have heard of already. <laughs> Look, I, I, you know, I'm a little old school in what I listen to. You know, I'm, I'm uh, born, raised, living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I'll kind of give a throwback. One of my favorite Pittsburgh '90s bands that I, I still listen to called the Clark's. Uh, if you ever heard of them, it's kind nice. of a '90s rock. Like oh, you know, nice. it, it has it has that vibe. Um, but you know, it's still still one of those kind of bands that I just uh, jam out to. I think I'll never let go. You know. <laughs> Awesome. And then this one, this one's for your co-host Kane. So what, what, what's the favorite food that everybody uh, should, should be trying here soon that you, you uh, just can't get enough of? I mean, for Kane, obviously it'd be peanut butter, but like, what's yours? <laughs> uh, Kane, look, I, I just, I just rub peanut butter in Kane's face. So he'll, he'll vomit that <laughs> he hates it. Um, Look, something that uh, I I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a pretty good cook. Uh, I, I cook a lot. So this past weekend, um, I actually made uh, andouille sausage and chicken gumbo. Um, mm. My wife and I went to New Orleans a couple years ago, took a cooking class and learned how to make like New Orleans style gumbo. And I mean, it's that's the greatest thing that I've ever had. That I've what ever was that first word? Like, what was it? What's that? Andouille sausage. Andouille. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Andouille sausage like, gumbo. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's out of this world. Like if you, if you, if you ever get a chance to go to New Orleans at like, and, and just eat that food, man. I mean, I, uh, I would go back in a heartbeat just for the food. So. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we'll we'll wrap up. Hey, best advice ever just came at the end of the show. So we'll wrap it up there. But uh, listeners, thanks. Thanks again for joining us uh, for another college to Canton show here please do make sure that you leave a rate and review super helpful to the show to get it to show up here and there wherever you listen uh it means a lot it's just been really encouraging to to get some uh dms from you guys and see some of the ratings on there it's just uh really cool to see that you guys are enjoying the show it's uh, what 33 episodes in uh just been a blast talking about some nfl prospects some college players We'll continue to look ahead at uh, returning college football players here soon. Some fun metrics I've been working on uh, with some future players. Some college football recruiting talk here in the near future. Uh, But yeah, look forward to much more content on NFL draft stuff here soon. But uh, definitely check out Shane's show, uh, The Debbie Marketplace, the podcast he and Kane Fassell put together. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Anything else you want to plug before we uh, sign off? No, that, that, that's it. You know, follow awesome. me on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. And uh, I, you know, I appreciate you having me on again, Travis. Man. It's always a blast talking with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's another good one. And I look forward to uh, many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast. <laughs>